give us spine uh, today from this text to stand strong. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's jump in here. Ephesians 6. Uh, I'm going to get there in just a second. I, I love... I love cities. Uh, I've loved cities for a while. Even when I was in Roanoke, Virginia as a teenager, I was in a city, did a paper out in a city, um, because I love people. Uh, God loves cities, right? God loves New York, right? Uh, Isn't that great? God loves New York because God loves people. Same reason I love New York. Um, In fact, God made something that everything is going to die in. And what was that? A garden. A rural garden of Eden. He's making something right now, a place for all humanity to thrive and worship Him forever. And what is it? It's a city. Heaven is a city. The New Jerusalem. God loves people, so God loves city. I love cities. You might not. But you know who else loves cities? Satan. The devil loves cities. He loves where those people are gathered so he can embed in it real deep and even take over communities. And so where the gospel has gone, Satan has fought. And when the gospel comes to cities, Satan fights. Ephesus was one of those cities, one of the largest cities of Paul's day, Jesus's day. And it was one of those that was devoted to uh, a god, an idol, an idol worship. Uh, This god uh, was the god of fertility, Artemis, Diana. And so because of that, naturally, there would be a lot of immorality involved. Of course, anytime Satan creates a religion, he combines it with one of our lusts, one of our strong desires that we have by nature, so that he can compound upon that and make it the only noise you hear. So immorality was cultishly prevalent everywhere in Ephesus. Boyce says immorality was rife in Asia, and since the Greek goddess Artemis, Diana the Ephesians was regarded as a fertility goddess, sexual orgies were regularly associated with her worship. Fornication, financial prosperity, spiritual enlightenment and magic that awed her followers and worshipers with supernatural abilities. You can imagine the stronghold that Satan had there and the demonic forces of that day. Enter soft-spoken, aged, broken, persecuted, beat up, probably balding, Grayish old man, Paul, the apostle. Within a few short months, that city is turned upside down. The idol worshipers are wringing their hands. This preaching of the gospel of Jesus, this message from this man is turning the city upside down. Paul enters... This is one of the sites from that city. Paul enters that city with nothing but the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. And as the word spreads, it turns people from evil spirits, from magic. In fact, they take the 
a, a public burning of millions of dollars worth of magic books and, and the idol trade begins to go bankrupt. The, the worship of this idol is start, it's stopping and people are worshiping Yahweh. And so there is serious demonic resistance to that. So much so that the whole city shows up here, at least 20,000 people there fit. Um, and so packs this out and they scream worship to the goddess Diana. And Paul says, let me preach Jesus to them. And he's held back from the Christians because they know they would tear him from limb to limb. When the gospel goes forward through the preaching of Scripture, Satan opposes it. And so as Paul writes back a letter to those Ephesians believers, he's going to help them with that type of oppression because that's the instruction they need. But you know what? That's the instruction everyone needs, isn't it? Every Christian If you begin to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. And that persecution may not be from flesh and blood. It may just be from spiritual forces. But you can believe it if you're living in a city, in an urban center, where where millions are prizing idolatry, the living of for anything else other than Yahweh, uh, then you can believe that Satan is going to stir the pot to try to shut that down. To shut you down. And so that's why as we look at Ephesians 6, it's so important as a church to focus in on this idea that we, we by God's grace, need to understand that we are, we are, utilize, we are to utilize Scripture the same way that, that Paul did in that city a long time ago. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to focus in on this text and let it speak to us. And we're going to really climax to the conclusion of it And then next week, actually, it spills over into our next major idea as we consider here, focus on these primary biblical directives for church, right? We have these biblical principles, and we're handling each one of them, doing this in our Sunday school lesson and in the worship service. Uh, So this morning, we looked at the whole kind of New Testament ideas of of what it means to um, Utilize Scripture, okay? And it means praying always and utilizing Scripture here. But today I just want to focus on one text as we preach it, okay? Um, but we'll, we'll focus on each one of those as we continue on. Next week, praying always. Okay, so, with this one here, it gives three commands. Uh, verses 10 to 17, the Holy Spirit gives us three commands for living successfully in an urban center, spiritually strong. Uh, spiritually strong in an urban center to the glory of God. That's what I want to do. All right, and that's what you want to do. That's what our church wants to do. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, be empowered in the Lord. Second command, armor up for spiritual batter, battle. Third command, take up armor. By taking up armor, stand. All right, taking up the armor, stand. So it's almost like arm yourselves, but then take it up. Uh, the last three things are things you take in hand. All right, so let's jump into that first command. Be empowered in the Lord. And I feel like this is the primary message of all of these verses. We often get, we get so uh, caught up with the armory, because it's pretty cool, right? Ever since a kid, we liked armory. At least I did. Uh, my, my kids are, are, my boys are pretty much into this right now. Girls, not so much, right? But uh, 
Actually, we just did this, this sword fighting thing in, in Central Park with a bunch of other kids, right? They're still doing this, right? We're still enamored with this. It's pretty fun. Um, anyway, let's jump in here. Uh, command number one, be empowered in the Lord, right? So if you're taking notes there, uh, you can see our first blank. Uh, command one, be empowered in the Lord. Be empowered in the Lord. Finally, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So finally, he's wrapping up this letter to this church in the city. He's gone through some very high heights, chapters 1 to 3, talking about all the blessings we have in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6, he's talking about how we're to walk because we have all those spiritual blessings. So finally, as he ends it all up, he gives us this primary command. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong. That's the command. Be strong. All right, the word there, strong, comes from the word dunamis, dynamite, right? Uh, often it's, an, it's, it's the noun that's translated, power, ability, enabling. Um, but this time it's the verb, it's the action. Finally, be strong, and, and actually it's in the passive, so be strengthened is the idea. Uh, that's why I like the idea of be empowered, That really gets at the Greek word. You be empowered. Um, Find strength, not in and of yourself, not in the discipline of human ingenuity, not in in reading the self-help book that that helps you with these, keeping your schedule. But, But where do we find our empowering? Be strong where? In the Lord. And in the strength of His might. Okay, stand strong in the Lord. And I think this is really the primary meaning of this text. Be strong in the Lord. I wonder if you could, if you could help me repeat that throughout this message. Be strong where? In the Lord. Just those three words. Be strong. Okay, we're coming. We're not looking like an army yet. We're not sounding like an army yet. Let's try again. Be strong in the Lord. Very good. And and if we could get that today, that would be all we would need for this week. Where do you find your strength? In the Lord. Not in not in Tim. You don't find it in yourself. You, you so it's showing that you are totally inadequate for this warfare. Your strength cannot come from, I finally figured it out, and now I can do it. I can walk the Christian life. The strength for the Christian life is totally in the Lord. And in the strength of His might. I think of that suit of armor just standing there, decorating the castle, totally lifeless. That's the Christian without the in the Lord. It may be pretty strong, but it's doing nothing. Our strength comes from the Lord taking possession of us and working through us. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Plug in, my friends. The battle is the Lord. To overcome the wicked one, we have to have strength in the Lord. So our first primary application here, our strength to stand strong spiritually in an urban center comes from the Lord. The strength can't come from myself. It has to come from... It's alien strength. It's strength that comes from outside of my setting. It comes from the Lord. Okay, let's move on to the second command here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Command two, 
Armor up for spiritual battle. Armor up for spiritual battle. This is going to be helpful for us. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So verses 11 and 12 get this second command to armor up. Put on the full armor of God. But not only does he give the command for armament, but he also gives us the coaxing, the reason you're to obey the command, by looking at the enemy. Right? So he gives us the command, verse 11, the first part of verse 11. Then he gives us the coaxing to obey the command, the, the, the reason why, by giving us a little glimpse into who we are up against. And that really helps us stick the armor on quickly. Look at verse 11a, we find the command to armament. Put on the full armor of God. So the previous one was passive. The previous command, um, find strength or be strengthened, be empowered in the Lord. This one, though, is active. This is something you have to do. If you don't do this, you are totally vulnerable. You're going to run out there. Everyone else is suited up in the armor and you look like a crazy man. Because you just came with your, with your church clothes on. Oh, David, get back. Uh, believer, we need Saul's armor in this case because this is the Lord's armor. Put it on. Uh, this is something we need to suit up. This is important. Get your suit of clothes on. We're no match for the devil. Put on what? Put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. You've probably heard of the panoply of God. Have you heard of that? That's a play on the Greek word here. The full armor. This would be the full suit of armor used as a foot soldier. You've got to deck yourself totally out in it. A full suit of armor. Ready for combat. Consider dear old Paul. By this time, writing this, he's in Rome, and you know where he is? He's arrested, yeah, in-house arrest. He may be chained to one of these dudes. And so he's writing, he's finishing up his letter, and he looks over, he hears the metal. No doubt there's someone at the door, but perhaps he's even chained to these guys. You know what? He's like, and I, th- I mean, he's probably just preaching at him, because we know that people get saved from being chained to Paul. So he's not going to use this as... You know what? Put on the full armor of God. And he starts looking at this guy and he starts just saying the whole armor. But the Holy Spirit's doing it, giving us instruction. Now suit up! But sometimes maybe we we need some encouragement and so he's going to encourage us. He's going to coax us into this. This is how we are coaxed to obey by looking at the enemy. And and that really does help us uh, as you're thinking about going out and playing football as you look at how hard that, that opposing team Hits. You're like, give me my helmet. I, I need that thing. I need, I need the shoulder pads. And so as we look at the other enemy lines, we're like, you know, I need this armor. All of you are going to recognize the need for this armor. Look at the nature of our enemy. First of all, the nature of your enemy. And this would be the, the leader. The head enemy. So that you'll be able to stand against the, the schemes of the devil. Uh, our, our enemy is the devil himself. 
You cannot stand with His armor because, because you're standing against a spiritual being whom you're no match to fight. He introduces the enemy. The enemy uh, is the devil himself. Satan, the ruler of demons, is called the devil. The word devil means slanderer. Be very careful not to speak ill of others because you'll be doing the works of the devil. His name is slanderer. Devil is slanderer. The accuser. He is Satan, the opposer. He is the prince of the power of the air, the deceiver, Beelzebub, ruler of the world in that sense. But he is a slanderer. What does it tell us about the devil here? He has what that we stand against? Stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. And he picks up something about the devil that the devil likes to do. The devil likes to trick you. The devil likes to deceive. He plays in trickery. The, the, the devil has no thought about the Geneva Convention when it comes to Roman, uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare. He will trick, he will malign, he will, he will devour. That's how gross it is. He will kill you and devour you if he can. He will sift you as wheat. But he often does this through deception. The Bible says he comes as an angel of light. The devil uses the Trojan horse at times. All of a sudden, yeah, okay, and you welcome him in. And then the horse opens up and, wow, that was the enemy. They seem so pleasant standing there on the street corner. But they, they taunt against the, the deity of Jesus. You read Revelation 1 and recognize, wow, this is the, the, the Alpha and Omega whose eyes are a flame of fire who will judge all the world. Yes, that's Jesus. The nature of the battle as well. We find Satan deceiving. Uh, the mask comes off. Uh, actually, that word, methods, it's from our word where we get our word methods. These methods often used with talking about animals that would trick their prey. This is what Satan wants to do. He doesn't come dressed as Satan. He comes dressed as an angel of light. Oh, they were so kind, so friendly, as they stabbed me under my ribs. Look at the nature of the battle. This is also encouraging us to suit up. So you'll be able to stand against the, the schemes of the devil for... And then, not just the nature of the enemy, but look at the nature of the battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, spiritual rulers. Our struggle. The war is a struggle. It's a wrestling match. It's the word wrestling. You, you get the, the, the idea of hand-to-hand -hand combat in the trenches. That's the picture here. In the mud and in the dirt of life. That is where Satan comes to you, and it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's not this pleasant war room where you're like, oh, let's do this, let's send this army brigade this way, send the navy this way, and we'll be okay. No, it's you and me in, it, in the trenches. That's the picture of spiritual warfare. It's a struggle, a wrestling, a needing boots to stand But it's also not against flesh and blood, is it? You think, well, that coworker is tempting me. 
okay, this city just tempts me. That TV show just tempts me. Right? We would like to blame everything else. Well, the woman that you created. Well, the serpent that you created. You know what? We, we need to realize that there is a spiritual force behind that serpent. Not flesh and blood, but the, the warfare is a spiritual one. So real that can use your coworker, that can use the pressures of life, that can use you to feel tempted to sin. But the struggle is deeper. The struggle is a spiritual one. And so he lists these four categories of spiritual beings. And so we would recognize Satan as the one uh, who is head, but then there is a a very detailed or organized grouping of spiritual beings that withstand believers. I don't think he's trying to give four detailed uh, like categories of beings that, that we can uh, connect with and realize these are the only four, and, well, I'm up against a ruler, well, I'm, you're up against a power. He's giving just kind of descriptive words to help us understand who we're up against. And they all teach us that this is a spiritual battle that we need to take seriously. They are against rulers, spiritual rulers, ones who have authority and sway in the spiritual realm. And so rulers, authorities, these are often used together in the Bible. In the angelic realm, you have rulers and authorities. You have demons that are over other demons, these fallen angelic beings who chose to rebel against God and serve Satan, they are still rebelling against God and serving Satan. And they're in the world today. I think in the U.S. they have a little less authority by... Uh, in this, uh, they have a little less... Um, their ploy is usually more angel of light. But you go to other countries and it's just so much more clear. Um, and, and I think we, we see, I see it here in the city a lot uh, in, in sharing the gospel with people. Um, but th- this is happening. Your, your fight is against spiritual authorities and powers. High-ranking authorities that have several minion-type spiritual beings under them. Right? Just read screw tape letters again, and it's such a uh, dynamic book by C.S. Lewis to give us a little insight into uh, some of the things that go on behind this. I realize it's fiction and there are some things that I disagree with, but he's showing this is, this is real. Temptation is real. Against the world forces of this darkness, only used here in the Bible, but it gives the idea that these world forces are, in one sense, maybe even territorial. So there's a category of, of, of authority, but also there is a territory. We see that some in Daniel, where you have this, this prince of Persia, maybe referred to here. But it is a world of darkness. Darkness as opposed to light. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of night. The kingdom of good and the kingdom of evil. At odds with one another. There's not a mixture or interwovenness behind one force. It is the kingdom of evil that, that hates God and his forces. 
And then the fourth one, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's this realm in which these beings exist and act. And so we saw that earlier in Ephesians 3 where he, he talks about uh, angels, spiritual beings who are, are not fallen, and they actually watch what? Anybody remember? They watch the church. They watch what God's doing here, and there's spiritual angels that look at this, and they see people from all over the world worshiping God, and they say, wow, look at what God's multifaceted wisdom is doing. It's fascinating. You know, that the, the demonic realm does not like that. And so there are spiritual forces of wickedness that, that are in the heavenly places. The prince and the power of the air is the idea. And sometimes they actually enter God's presence himself and ask permission to do certain things. We see that in the book of Job. And even with Peter, when, when, when Jesus says, listen, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. All right, so that's what you're up against. Don't be caught unadorned, <laughs> unarmed. And so the second big application here, not just our strength to stand comes from the Lord, but our strength to stand strongly it is a very serious thing. This is not something to take lightly. It's something to take seriously. This is the final thing he's sharing with this church in the city. And so we need to take heart to it. Command three, well, how are we going to stand, brothers and sisters? All right, well, this is how. Our third command, take up the armor to stand. How can you stand spiritually strong in an urban center or any center? How are you going to stand strong? This is how. Taking up the armor. Taking up the armor, you will be able to stand. In the Lord. Be strong what? Pretty good. Be strong in the Lord. So we need to go to the Lord to find how to stand strong. And, and what's interesting is all of this armor goes back to the Lord. It goes back to the Lord and His Word. All right, so let's get into it. There's this repetition of purpose in verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Right, there's this idea of, okay, take up the full armor so that you will be able to resist. Okay, so he's just getting us ready for the armor. He's like, you're not going to be able to resist in the evil day. You're not going to resist today if you haven't taken up the armor. So having taken up the armor, stand. How am I going to stand strong in the Lord? Having taken up the armor. It's the Lord's strength, but he wants me to wear his armor. Does that make sense? So that idea of having done everything supposes taking up the armor. Having done everything, meaning don't go into battle without the armor. Then you'll be able to stand firm. Right, to stand firm. And that's the repetition of purpose. Um, I wish we could take time with this. I'm not going to take time with it. I'm going to skip over this. But, but he's, he's been talking all throughout the book of Ephesians about walking. You have this spiritual wealth, so walk in humility, walk in unity, walk in love. And then he finishes with finally, stand. As you walk, as you walk the Christian life, you're maintaining unity, your purity, you're walking in purity, you're walking in love, 
And as you do that, as the life of Christ is formed in you, you know what's going to happen? Spiritual resistance. If you walk like Jesus at your workplace, spiritual resistance. If you walk in unity and love and maturity, spiritual resistance. Because that's wisdom of spirit filling is going to be opposed by spiritual resistance. And so you will have persecution. So he says, now we're not going to be walking. I just want you to stand. Stand firm. And so stand firm. Having. Okay, so let's look at the armory inventory. And, and we could, like I could take a week with each of these, but we're just trying to get through the whole text so we bless our souls and feed us. Um, so let's look at the text, okay? Having girded your loins with truth. Okay, so we look at the armory. The Holy Spirit says, Brothers and sisters, you cannot go out there without putting this on. So let's begin with putting it on. First of all, what are we going to put on? Having girded truth. Having girded your loins with truth. Having girded your loins with truth. Our first armory. What is your, well, first of all, what's your loins? We stopped using that word a lot. I don't know why the Nazbi doesn't translate this well. Um, the, the idea is your, is your midsection, your waist. Put, put a belt around your waist that you're going to be able to hang all this other stuff. But it was part of the protection, actually. Be under the armor would be, be leather. I get the idea of a, a, a weight, a weight, weightlifter's belt, this big piece of leather. But it, it could be just a very thick cloth that kept everything together. It, it really was something that they could actually, they would have a, a long robe or turban that if, if you're fighting, it would just get caught up in the gears. So you would need to put that in your belt. And so the idea is have something where you can be really ready to get, get going quickly. All right, and, and we'll look at these guys. This one actually is uh, from, from Ephesus, from that time period. Uh, and then, then an art, artist's re- rendering of, of the belt. I don't really like that belt. But, uh, but anyway, you got the idea. Underneath, it would be underneath, more like a girdle uh, that's holding everything together. And, and he's like, that's the truth. That's what you need. You need, you need truth. First thing you need is truth. Because what is Satan telling you? He's the what? He's the deceiver, father of lies, yeah. And he just said the schemes, trickery schemes, tricky schemes. He's going to bring some ideas into you. You're no good. You're no good. There's no way you can defeat that sin. God doesn't love you. Look at what's going on in your life. Lie, 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 lie. How are you going to combat all those thoughts? This is what really satisfies alcohol. Right? That's, that's the lie that's going to be told you. Oh, all I need is marijuana and I'll be feeling good. Lie, lie. Man, if I just got that promotion, then I'll be proud of myself. Lie, lie. How are you going to combat that? You, you need the truth. You need to be able to tell yourself the truth. Satan, in his wily ways, will whisper lies to you. Lies about yourself. Lies about your life. We need to gird protection around us, which is the truth. Do you keep the word in your heart? Are you standing by, by being truthful to others? Being genuine because you're walking in truth? 
And so it is not only what we tell ourselves, it's what we live. We are the same Sunday as we are Monday, as I'm walking in truth, which gets to the next place, our breastplate of righteousness. Now, this would be an important one because it guards what? My heart. I need something to guard my heart. In battle, boy, my heart needs to be guarded. Son, give me your heart. From out of it flow all the issues of life. I need guarding on my heart. And so I need the breastplate of righteousness. This breastplate would be probably metal that would be strapped to him from leather. But also, if they were more wealthy, it would be a coat of mail. The, the idea of something that could move a little better. Chain link type thing. It would, that would cover the front and the back. Um, you see this in, in all these soldiers. They, they needed something to protect their heart, their innards. Uh, what is that for us? Right? For us, it's the breastplate of righteousness. Right? So this would be more a coat of mail, this more the, the plate. Um, we, we need a breastplate of righteousness. I'm just meditating through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33 is really neat because there's a lot of bad stuff in Jeremiah. It's like condemnation, 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 because that's what God's doing. He's warning them, repent or you die, and they die. Um, but in Jeremiah 33, there's this nice little paragraph where he says, I will bring from the seed of David a righteous branch, and you will call him, Jesus, the Lord is our righteousness. And so in one sense, this righteousness is the imputed perfection of Jesus. I, I got to start there. But you know what? doesn't stop there. Um, yes, I am always complete in thee, no work of mine. But, but this is the way, walk ye in it. And I think Romans 6 gives us, a, gives us that in the right way, and, and I can't wait until we get to Romans 6. In Romans 6, uh, he's talking about the gospel, and he's saying, you are complete in Jesus. The righteousness of God is by faith in Jesus, and there's no earning of it in your own works, nothing at all. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. And so this righteousness that Jesus gives to me, the Lord is my righteousness, is actually the map for me to walk in order to walk a soldier's life. And so he goes on and he says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so it goes beyond that, that positional gift of perfect right standing before God to, Tim, this is the way. Walk in it. You, you are to live a different life. And that's what he's been talking about. You're to walk in humility. You're to be walking in love. You're to be walking through the Spirit and submitting to one another in church. Right, so this is the way of righteousness, and that is what will keep me safe in the war. It's be strong in the Lord. It's the Lord living the life of Christ through me. It really is. It goes back to that again. It's the righteousness of Christ that He imputes to me, but that He forms in me. 
That's my safeguard in battle. That's how I protect my heart as I walk in the way that is right, as I walk in the way that is good, as I walk in the way that is above reproach through the power of the Holy Spirit living through me. This is my safeguard in battle. And so today, if you found yourself walking in sin, you have, you have begun to open up the, the, the very thing that guards your heart. And so we come to church each week and we repent of our sin and we confess, right, the approaching God section. We confess our sin. Once a month, we come to the Lord's table and we confess our sin and we forsake our sin. And we come to the cross again. All right, number three. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I am going to have to clip through these. Oh boy. Uh, put on the shoes of the gospel. Be prepared with the gospel. Now, you might think that this is having to do with sharing the gospel. Because, I mean, it's talking about my shoes. Gospel shoes, right? And so I need to be ready to share the gospel shoes. But what is the command? The command is stand. The command is to stand. Be strong in the Lord to stand. And these shoes would be sandals that would have leather soles about that thick, like an inch thick. And underneath that would have barbs or metal cleats that would help them to dig into the dirt and stand. Right. So the idea is the gospel is what helps you stand. When you're in the thick of it in life, you need the gospel to help you stand. We talked about this last week, and I, let me encourage you again, uh, the gospel primer for Christians. If you have not read that, you need to read it. Okay? It helps us rehearse the gospel in such a way that I can stand. And I said this earlier, if you have not been thinking about the gospel as for Christians, you probably have a whole sphere of area in your life that you need to grow in. That, that just is ministered to you through understanding the gospel in a sanctific, sanctifying way. Okay? And so I stand strong, prepared with the gospel that brings me peace with God. So this is what happens when you're in warfare. Satan will send something, and it will be something like abandonment from a spouse. A child that walks away from the gospel. Cancer. Right? These big things of like World War III. When you're talking about these big things, you'll look at your circumstances and you're like, Hey, yay! And you know what Satan will tell you? God doesn't love you. Look at your circumstances. How can you say that you're his child? And so there'll be this doubt. Boy, am I God's child? Does God love me? And you would need to go back to the gospel of peace. I have peace with God. All my surroundings, right? With Christ in the vessel and, and all that's around me is, is, is a storm. But I have peace with God because I know the gospel is true. In life's hardest times, you need the gospel. You need the gospel every day, but especially in the battle. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel that is peace with God. In addition to all, and so these last three now are, are kind of a different section. So he's told us everything we have. I'm sorry, we got... There's his shoes. Okay, you got your shoes, and it gives you the shin guards too for your soccer players. Um, you need that. Uh, but it's mainly just to, to hunker down and be able to give you strength to stand as, as people are pushing against you. Um, but then our, our, 
fourth one here, taking the shield of faith. And so now we're, we're kind of, we're dressed. And, and, and so you could picture this like a locker room. And, and our general Jesus is, is just getting us pepped up, ready for the battle. And he's like, let's go get him. Take up with you. Okay, so arm yourselves. You're armed. You have salvation, right? You're armed. Now take these things up. So these are the things that you kind of take with you as you go to the front lines. You put your helmet, right? You, you got your, 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 your shield and your sword. The last three things. In addition to all that, taking up the shield of faith. In addition to all that, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so we have this shield that is called faith. Uh, that shield, there would be two different shields that, that they would use in that day. One would be the Captain America type shield that's like two feet big and, and you can kind of, you don't throw it, but, but you can parry the, you, know, you use it easily. You maneuver it, it's strapped to your wrist. Well, there's another shield that was two feet wide by four feet long. As they came to the front lines, they would put those side by side by side by side, up to a mile wide. And that's the picture here. The, the church itself needs all its members to be show, so shielded in the faith that they are a line. Those shields would be covered in uh, wood, covered with metal, that would be soaked with leather, so that when these arrows came, dipped in tar, set on fire, you would be safe. But you need that wall. That wall that is the believer standing firm in the faith. By which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's not just hand-to-hand -hand combat that you're worried about, you're concerned about. You, you've got that, but, but you know what? They're going to be shooting arrows at you from a distance. This is, this is hard. We need strength in the Lord. And so these flames of arrows from the evil one are trying to destroy your faith. Again, he's dealing with things that are tangible or seen, but he's helping us understand them in such a way that it, it, it illustrates the concept. The concept is Satan is trying to get you to doubt God, and you need to be strong in the faith. How am I going to stand firm? I know the faith, the Christian faith. I believe the faith once for all handed down to the saints. The pillar of truth that the church is given to guard and protect. That is the faith and it is what is our shield in front of us. Do not be tempted for a second to slip aside from the shield. You open up to all the devilish lies. And so you have this faith that's been taught for generation, for generation, for generation. And as you open up your mind to what 2 Timothy calls doctrines of what? Anybody know? Yeah. Doctrines of demons. Satan will write textbooks. He will form religious systems made to deceive Christians. And what you need is the faith. We need to be, we need to be saturated in the truths of Scripture, built up in the faith, knowing the faith. The Christian faith, once for all, handed down to the saints, or those fiery darts will get in there and will catch flame. Satan is writing doctrines of demons right now 
There are books all over the city filled with lies to undermine the faith once for all handed down to the saints. So we must be strong in Christian doctrine. Christian teaching. If that doctrine word scares you, it's just the word teaching. What's true about Jesus? And so we take it up, but we need to take it up together. I need you, brothers and sisters. You need me as we line up together. The helmet of salvation. Oh boy. The helmet of salvation is essential. Understanding that my salvation is secure in Jesus. Again, in the, in the height of the battle, there will be this, this doubt. And so we've just been dealing with this in 1 John. Satan will try to catch you to doubt that God has redeemed you. But that salvation goes beyond justification bringing me into the family. It grows me. That is salvation as well. And the, the, the end goal is at sight when the Lord Jesus descends and takes His army up. Glorification. And so we know that is the salvation that I, that I cling to. That's my helmet. It protects my head. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. We know that. Protect your head with that. Where does He go right from that? To salvation. To those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Those He predestined, He called. Those He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. Salvation. Keep that on your head. He loves you because of Christ. And so you will fall into the slough of despond. You will face financial hardship. You will face unraveling human relationships, health problems, emotional upheaval, pressures, persecution. And what will keep your head about you is your salvation. Understanding my, I am secure in Christ. They can't take anything from me in that area. And then the last one. I had to speed through those, but I wanted us to get them all. Right, this, this builds us up when we take in all these words together, the whole paragraph. And take the helmet of salvation and what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And to be honest, all of these have really been one aspect or other of the Word of God. But this one most pointedly. The helmet of the salvation, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. What is this weapon? Well, it is offensive. It's the only offensive thing. Uh, it would be the smaller two-foot dagger. There's two swords. One would be a large sword, heavy sword. But this one would be that, that small dagger used to, to protect you as thrusts come in, but also to stab. And so we find our only offensive weapon. This is the only weapon you have in the armory for victory. How are you going to protect yourself when the battle rages so fierce that it's in your eyes? You feel Satan's breath on your back. You need the dagger. You need the Word of God. This is for hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so we need, you need, the people at Ephesus need the Word of God. We need to utilize Scripture how does Ephesus come to turn to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Through the Word. The parries of the Word. The Word preached. The words of the words of God preached. 
And this is how cities are turned upside down. This is how ethics of a society are changed. It's not with policy. It's not with political capital. It's changed with the Word of God. God's warfare is done with nothing else. The church more moves forward, as we'll see, praying the Word of God forward. So what is this weapon? It is a sword, right? Which is the Word of God. Uh, and it's rhema. It's the word rhema, referring to small phrases of Scripture. We need these small thrusts, like we're memorizing Psalm 119. How will I keep my way pure? By taking heed to it according to the word. Thrust. You bring that out in the heat of battle when you're tempted to lust. When you're tempted to that third Big Mac. Right? You're probably not tempted that way. Um, but whatever it is, it's your temptation. You say that, and it's like a, a Satan flees. That's how you resist them. You can't resist any other way. It's our only offensive weapon. You have to have it. And our church has to have it. That's why we utilize Scripture, and we have to utilize Scripture. Whose weapon is it? It's the sword of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would say it's also your weapon. That's the first idea. He's giving it to you, but it's the Holy Spirit's weapon. The Holy Spirit promises to work through His Word in our lives. Some people say, well, I just don't feel like the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's working my life. Are you letting Him work through His Word? Are you opening the Bible at all? No, no, I just want to feel the Spirit. The Spirit will not work without His Word. It's His weapon. Right? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're not in the Word, you're not letting the Spirit work. Now, He'll work without it. He'll bring those, those words back. But, but this is His sword. And so if our church tries to go forward without the Word of God, it's like, it's like going into battle without weapons. It's silly. We cannot do that. I love Martin Luther's song because he took city after city after city in Germany. The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not at him. One what? Little Rama will fell him. One little word will fail. Just one little word from God, resist the devil, he flees. When Jesus wrestled with Satan in the desert, he used the word and Satan fled. If, if you're trying to wrestle without the word, you're in the wrong place, you're in the wrong battle, you'll fall. And so our church must utilize Scripture. And we're done. I have seven things here of how we do that, and, and I mentioned that in the Sunday School lesson, so I will leave that for that. What I would love to do, though, uh, be strong where? Be strong in the Lord. Good. You cannot strong spiritually in an urban center, lastly, without utilizing the sword of God's Word. And so I apply it to the church, yes, and so our church will go forward as we continue to, to use God's Word, but that, that means the individual. Um, and so with heads bowed, eyes closed, let me just ask you, are you in the Word? Are you spending time with God?
through His Spirit in His Word. Uh, if, if not, then, then you will fall. You'll falter. But He grows you strong through His Spirit in His Word. Let's all spend time talking to the Lord about that. If He's convicted you, let me encourage you to respond in faith, in repentance, uh, maybe with a plan of attack. I'm going to spend this time in the Word this week. In a moment, we'll close in prayer and sing together.